28 says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were, hurt. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, and here's the key, to send out workers. To send out workers into this harvest. Will you pray with me? Lord, I ask even now that you would awaken our hearts to the need of the gospel going out from this place. Of it going out um, from the church and for us not to just sit here and expect that lost people are going to come in. Lord, I pray that you would move. Let us see the need, Lord. Awaken our hearts to the reality of heaven and hell, that they're real places. They're not just um, these fake ideas or these, these crazy ideas that the Bible presents, Lord. Let us see that they're real. Lord, I pray that you would call workers out right now. Workers who are here, who, Lord, who just have a heart for reaching people. Lord, we need you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Good morning. As, uh, as Mike said, my name is uh, Pete Finfrock. I spoke here a few weeks ago. Some of you guys uh, may have been here when I did that. Some of you uh, may not have been. But as he said, uh, I'm going through a pastoral apprenticeship right now where uh, the church has, has uh, changed. I, I don't know changed, but we just kind of put at the forefront of, of what we're doing to be a church planting church. Not, and not just to plant churches, but plant churches that plant churches. And it's just really awesome to see Mike's heart and, uh, and, and to see that he, he is calling people like me who really are just normal guys, but uh, he sees a calling and, and wants to train and teach pastors. But anyways, as we've been going through this, and Mike has been talking about church planting and just the reason why we need to do that, uh, kind of my question, even uh, Mike came to me like six months ago and, and sort of was sharing his heart with me and saying where kind of my role might be in that. And, and my question to, to him was like, Mike, where's your heart in this? What, what is your motivation? Why would we plant churches? Why would we do this? And, and I think everybody in here knows that most people are motivated by something. We're either motivated, uh, some people are motivated by greed. Some people are motivated by money, by popularity, by fame. I know pastors who are, who are uh, motivated by, uh, by trying to get their name out so everybody knows who they are. And so I go, Mike, what, what's your motivation here? Why would we do this? And here was uh, was his heart. He said, my heart is to reach northwest Arkansas with the gospel. Not just northwest Arkansas, but the entire world. And the way we're going to do that is by training up pastors and planting churches. And, and I said, man, I can be a part of that. E- even though I don't feel like I'm capable, I said, Mike, I can be a part of, of reaching people. Whether it's in Bentonville, Rogers, Africa, I mean, wherever, I want to be a part of that. So... Uh, just as, as I was kind of preparing and looking through what to speak on today, and I was thinking about my relationship with Mike and just kind of where the church is going, um, I thought, you know, Mike can have all these great ideas, I can have all these great ideas uh, about reaching the world, but if we don't know what the Bible says, and if we don't know how Jesus went about reaching the lost, then it, it's really all for nothing, because the Bible is God's word, and... and uh, it, it, it has the words of eternal life. So if you would, open your Bible to uh, Luke 19 with me. We are going to be going out of, out of a passage that 
uh, or at least a story that is very familiar to most people. Uh, it, it involves a very short guy climbing a tree to see Jesus. Um, and so uh, just to kind of give you, give you a background uh, of where we're at in this story, actually, look, uh, if, if you're at Luke 19, just kind of look back a little bit to, to Luke 18.31. Uh, just so we can get a feel of what's going on before we jump into our main text. Uh, So 1831, it says, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day he will rise again. So here's what's going on. Jesus is from, from about, I think it's Luke 8 or Luke 9, Jesus has been on this trip to Jerusalem to a place that has been prophesied many, many times by these prophets that are written in the Old Testament. And they're saying, listen, the Messiah is going to come, uh, and, and he's going to go to Jerusalem. And the words that, that Jesus says, he said, they will, they will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And so if, if you jump right down to 19, verse 1, to our main text, where it says, Jesus entered Jericho. Uh, Jesus uh, again, he's on his way to Jerusalem to, for these, uh, where these prophecies are going to be fulfilled. And if, if you looked at a map, Jericho is the last city before, uh, before he, he entered Jerusalem, at least the, the last big city. Uh, this, uh, the text that we're going to be in, is just, this is just a couple days before Jesus enters Jerusalem. So he's, he's seeing what's going on. He's saying, okay, this, this is where I'm going. I'm going to my death, but he's going willingly. So... Uh, Let's go ahead and read down through 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. It's very important, knowing where Jesus is going, that we understand who Zacchaeus is. I know a lot of people here are familiar with the story. You kind of know the outcome of what goes on. But if we don't understand who Zacchaeus is, it, knowing who Zacchaeus is helps you know, understand who Jesus is. Because Zacchaeus is a very lost man. So let's, let's just kind of go through. I want to explain to you a little bit about who, who Zacchaeus is. Uh, an interesting term that they use here, or a, a title for him, is that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. This is the only time in the entire Bible that, uh, that this title is, is given to anyone. Now... Tax collectors, kind of what they did, their, their role back in the day was they collected taxes, obviously. But what they would do is when, let's, let's say that you guys were going to pay your taxes and you're, you're back in this time, you would go to a tax collector and just for sake of simplicity, let's say you would pay $100 for your taxes. What a tax collector would do, a tax collector would charge you $120 and stick the $20 in his pocket. And the thing is, is that everybody knew that he was doing this. Everybody, all the people who were coming and paying taxes knew that Zacchaeus was ripping them off. And it's just, man, that was life. Nothing you could do about it. And, and uh, with Zacchaeus being a Jew, he collected taxes from his own people, from the, from the Jewish people. So, and, and for those who don't know, the Jewish culture is really, they're kind of a tight-knit group. So in a sense, it was almost like Zacchaeus was ripping off his own family. To make matters worse, Zacchaeus is... He is in with the Roman government, the Roman guard at that time, who, and the, the Romans and the Jews, they didn't really get along. And, and so Zacchaeus, with the money that he's taken off the top, he's charging them an extra 20 bucks, he's paying the Roman guard so that they don't come and bust him and shut his, shut his thing down. So 
Zacchaeus is this guy, nobody likes him. His own people don't like him. Even the guys who he's kind of in with, the, the, the Roman guard are saying, look at this guy, he's ripping his own people off. So Zacchaeus is this guy, he's wealthy, he's well known by everyone, and nobody likes him. To make matters worse, he is a very short person. And, and just note, in, in the Bible, if, if, they say, if, if, if a writer says the guy was tall, the guy was big, the guy was short, it usually means that it was kind of an extreme case. So I don't know how, how short Zacchaeus was, but I'm guessing he was a pretty short guy. So just kind of an overview of who Zacchaeus is. I mean, he's trash. This guy, no one likes him. Listen, if, if someone like Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus walked in right now and everybody saw him, you'd be like, man, I hope this guy doesn't come and sit next to me. He was wealthy. He was arrogant. He was probably prideful. And and he wasn't just a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. So he had, he had way more money than all the guys who were ripping people off. And, and he's just, he's that kind of arrogant, cocky guy that no one likes. So he's trash. All right, let's, uh, let's go back down. Verse 5. When, uh, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So again, as I'm going through all this with Mike, I'm going through the apprenticeship, even leading up to the apprenticeship, I'm going, okay, Mike, what's your motivation? He's saying, we want to reach the lost, we want to reach the lost, we want to reach the lost. So I'm going, how do we do that? If you're following along in your bulletin, look at our very first point. The way that Jesus reached the lost is he looked at them and he spoke to them. Uh, look, at, look at verse 5. And I'll tell you right now, guys, what the, the points that I'm going to be giving you, they're going to be very, very simple. I mean, Jesus looked at sinners and he spoke to them. I mean, how difficult is that? That's, that's not profound. That's not difficult. But listen, if you take this and you apply it to your life and you do it, you're going to change the world around you, I promise you. So Jesus looked at them and he spoke to them. Verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. Guys, it blows me away how many Christians I talk to that I say, hey, who, you know, who are the people that you work with? Tell, tell me just a little bit about some of the people you work with. They're like, oh, they do this and they do that. And I said, tell me about them. I want to know their life. I want to know their struggles. Are they, are they saved? Are they lost? Do they follow Jesus? Do they give a rip about Jesus? And people are like, oh, maybe. And when I'm saying Jesus looked at them, like he looked at them. He stopped. He looked at their hearts. He said, what is going on with this person? We're, listen, Jesus is walking through. This is somebody he doesn't even know. This is a random person. And Jesus stopped and he looked at him and he spoke to him and he said, Zacchaeus, I want to spend time with you. I go, man, how many people, how many Christians do I know that I look around and they just, man, they're just going through life. They're, they're going through their everyday schedule. They, they have people all around them. They, listen, they may, they may physically look at somebody. They, they could tell you their parents. They could tell you, but they couldn't tell you a single thing about their heart. They couldn't tell you a single thing about where they're at spiritually. That's not good. There two, there's two reasons why people don't look and people don't talk to sinners. Why, why Christians, why we, people who are sitting in church, why we don't go out and why we don't look at them. I'm talking like, like look at them and see. And, and the first reason is self-centeredness. Your life's about you. 
my life's about me. My wife's life is about her. I, I tell my wife all the time, your, your world should revolve around me. And she said, no. Go, okay. So, but it's, it's one of those things. That, that's just, listen, you can call it nature. You can call it sin. You can call it whatever you want. Our life revolves around us. When uh, Friday, uh, Mike's friend from Zambia came, he said there was one thing that stuck out to him. Or, you know, he made a list of these are things that I noticed uh, while in America. And, and one of the things that he said is people are always going somewhere. We, we're always going somewhere. Listen, we don't just, people don't just hang out anymore. People don't just walk down the street. We have a schedule. We have an agenda. And we're going, okay, I've got to go to Walmart. So here I go. Here I go to Walmart. And we kind of stick our heads down and we go and we get our grocery list and we stick it in and then we go. Okay, now it's time to go home. It's time to go get the kids and take them to wherever they're going. Right? Am I right? This is, this is the life of an American person. We go, we have an agenda, we have a schedule, and we're always going. Uh, the second reason why we don't look or speak to the lost is because they're different than us. Again, simple, right? But, but it, that's true. They're different than us. Listen, people who don't know Jesus, they, they talk differently than me. Hopefully, right? Hopefully. Lost people speak differently than me. They act differently than me. They do things differently than me. Listen, lost, people's go, lost people go down to Dixon Street and they... They get hammered and, you know, after the Hogs game or whatever, I, I don't do that. I'm a Christian. But, but they act differently. And here, I'll tell you, here's one of the biggest mistakes that I have found or one of the biggest things that we as believers do wrong. We expect them to act like us. We might not say it. We might not say, man, I expect you to do this. But we, it, when we're going through life, when, when, when someone says a cuss word in front of us, we go, man, why did he say that? He doesn't need to talk like that. He needs to talk like me. When, when someone comes to work and they're talking about going out and drinking or they're talking about sleeping around or they're talking about, you know, whatever, whatever it is they do, we go, why do they do that? They, they don't need to be doing that. And so we go, they need to act like us. But listen, it's, it's a crazy idea to think that someone whose heart has not been changed by Jesus is going to act like someone whose heart has been changed. You guys following me on that? We go, Man, stop talking like that. Stop talking like that. But man, uh, Ephesians 2, 4 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, has made us alive with Christ. Listen, even when we were dead in our transgressions. Listen, before we knew Jesus, our hearts were dead. We were dead, dead, dead. And you could talk about Jesus all you want. You can, you can throw the Bible at their face. You can say, act like me and talk like me. But listen, until their hearts are made alive with Jesus, they're going to cuss and they're going to drink. And they're going to do whatever it is they do. And, and we just, I mean, for me, I just had to say, okay, just think about that. And it, listen, when I talk to someone who doesn't know Jesus, it doesn't even bother me anymore whenever they cuss in front of me. Because I go, that's what I expect. That's, I mean, that's what I expect from someone who's lost. But because of that, because of them being different than us, we don't even look or listen to them. Point number two. Jesus adjusted his schedule to spend time with sinners where they were. Look at, uh, look at verse 1. Uh, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Okay, here, here's what Jesus was doing, right? We know Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He, he's he's a, couple, couple, uh, a couple days travel before he enters Jerusalem. And, and what does he do? He winds up staying in Jericho rather than going on to, to Jerusalem. Why did he do that? When, when Jesus' plan was just to stop through, and, and I'll, I'll tell it to you like this, when I go and see my parents 
in, in Graham, Texas, we take I-75. One of our first stops is we stop at McAllister. It's like two and a half, three hours uh, away from here. But listen, we're not stopping. Our, our goal, we see where our goal is. It's to go see my parents. It's to go see Emily's parents. So we're just passing through. It's a quick thing. That's what Jesus did. Jesus, his plan was not to stay in Jericho. His plan was to just keep going on his way to Jerusalem. But look at verse 5 and 6. And, and we just read verse 5, but we'll read it again. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Listen, Jesus adjusted his schedule. His plan was to go to Jerusalem. He didn't. And the one thing that stopped him from going was a sinner, was someone who had no idea who Jesus was, had no idea who God was. And listen, Jesus, he had, he had the most... The most important appointment in the history of all mankind is to go die for the sins of man. Listen, if, if Jesus had this important appointment, surely we can adjust our schedules a little bit to spend time with people. Don't you think we can do that? And here's, here's, the, uh, here's the crazy part about all of this, is that Jesus didn't take Zacchaeus to church. Jesus didn't take Zacchaeus to church. Jesus didn't say, hey man, you're lost. I know you're lost. I know you don't know who I am. I know you don't know who God is. But hey, hurry up. Come over here. He didn't wave his hands from a church and say, come over here. Jesus Jesus went to where Zacchaeus was. Jesus went. Where did he go? Jesus wound up going to Zacchaeus' house to the place where, to the place where sin, if you guys know lost people and you know the way they talk and, and we see them when they're out and about and they're in the middle of all these other people, you should see them behind closed doors. You should see them when, they're, when nobody else is around. They can do whatever they want. Listen, Jesus went to the darkest place that they could go, or that, that he could take them. Look at, uh, look at Luke 5, 27 through 31 with me. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus, where at? At his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Listen, Jesus Jesus didn't go, Hey man, you guys hurry up and come to church. You guys hurry up and come come make friends with all of us Christians. Look, Jesus sat there with a bunch of tax collectors and I listen, I think we would be foolish to think that Jesus didn't hear probably hear a cuss word while he was sitting there. We would be foolish to think that Jesus probably didn't hear them talk about money they were stealing from somebody. Listen, it, Jesus understood, though, because they were lost, because they were so messed up, they weren't going to talk like him, and, and he did it anyways. Listen, in John 4, uh, another very famous story in the Bible is, is the woman at the well. And it is, uh, Jesus is, is uh, traveling again, and he's going through... Uh, He's coming up to Samaria. Samaria, uh, Samaritans and Jews, they didn't get along either. 
Uh, and so what they would do is when, when Jews were traveling up to Samaria, instead of going through it, they hated them so bad. And they said that they were so trashy and just so worldly that, that they would actually travel. It'd take them twice as long. They would travel around the town rather than going straight through it. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus walked straight to the middle and he encountered someone who had no idea who Jesus was or who God was. He talked with a woman who, who at that time, I believe she had, she had five husbands before this and uh, at that time was even living with somebody else. Jesus went to the place where sinners were. He adjusted his schedule to spend time with them. It didn't matter what they looked like. It didn't matter what they taught or how they talked. He spent time with them. And, and listen, Jesus knew that, that if he heard if he heard a cuss word, it wasn't going to mess him up. Jesus knew that, that if he went to a bar with the sinner, if he went to, to where the sinners were, listen, they weren't going to mess him up. Right? We need to spend time with sinners. If, we sit, if all we do is we sit here and we wave our hands and we say, hey, lost people, come over here. We may have one or two people, but we have got to go to where lost people are. There, there's a, a 132, uh, I believe 132 contacts in the Bible where Jesus is talking with, uh, with people. Six of those times he's at the temple, four of the times he's at the synagogue, and 122 times he's out in the community. He's out where they are. He didn't sit in the church. He didn't stay here. He didn't say, hey, you guys come here. He went out to where they were. My last point. Jesus seeks and saves the lost. Look at verse 10, man. This is, this is one of the most powerful most powerful verses in the entire Bible. And it, it just kind of sums up the reason Jesus came. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus was the initiator. And, and again, it goes back to what I've been saying. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't stay here. He didn't wave his arms. He didn't go, man, you guys, you guys come over here. He didn't, say, he didn't sit there and say, hey, people, come over here to me. He, Jesus went to where they were. He took the initiative of what was going on. Uh, the Great Commission is uh, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. In Matthew twenty-eight nineteen through 20, he said, Go and make disciples. Go. He didn't say, Stay here and make disciples. He said, Go. Get out to where the people are. Uh, and then 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, if you would, turn with me there. This is... Uh, you know, a lot, I have a lot of people ask me, when, what am I supposed to be doing after I get saved? What, what's our role? This is, and man, this is one of the most uh, powerful verses. 2 Corinthians five seventeen through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We have the ministry of reconciliation. I don't know why God chose to do this. I don't, man, I don't have all the answers. But man, God chose to give us the ministry of reconciliation. He has chosen people to, to go and make disciples, to call them to Jesus. And then keep going. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There is, um, I'll tell you this one last story of just kind of how all this has played into my life. It's been since, since Mike has kind of came to me and talked to me about 
planting churches and we've talked about, you know, reaching the lost and things like that. I've been, I've been trying to be real intentional about the way that I've lived my life. And my wife and I have actually moved to an area where, where we're hoping to, to plant a church and, and to be a part of what God's doing. We feel like uh, the Lord led us to do that. Uh, but as, as we've been going through life, the, God's just been kind of dropping these people in my lap who, man, they are just so far from the Lord. And about a month ago, uh, my wife and I, we were, uh, we were shopping for a desk, and we were over in the downtown Rogers area. And as we're walking into the store, I see this, this guy kind of walks up and asks me if I need help. And my first thought is like, man, this dude is a thug. He's, man, he's got his, his pants dropped below his butt. He's got, uh, he's got the tall tee on, you know, the, the T-shirt that's five times too big for him. And he's got, underneath his eye, he's got these stitches. And I was like, man, this dude has been in a fight for sure. And anyway, so as I'm walking through and I'm kind of walking by this guy, just, man, I don't know, something inside. I'm like, man, you need to talk to this guy. You need, you need to talk to him. So I was just kind of like, whatever. Wound up going. We found a desk. And anyways, this guy wound up helping us just as we were kind of loading out and doing all this stuff. This guy wound up helping us. So I struck up a conversation with the guy. It's like, you know, whatever, just kind of small talk, everyday talk. Anyways, we wound up exchanging numbers, said, man, I'd love to talk with you. And just from the way this guy was talking, I was like, this dude has no stinking clue who Jesus is. He doesn't know anything about church, whatever. Um, so anyways, I wound up calling this guy a couple days later, and we go out to eat. And he begins just telling me the story. He said, and I told him a little bit about me. I'm working at a church, and we're doing all this stuff. And he said, uh, he said, listen, Pete, I know you work at a church. I know that you're, you, know, you may not know anything about the world or anything like that. But he said, I, I, just, I need to tell you this, that I just got out of prison two years ago. He said, uh, I was selling large amounts of cocaine, and the, the DEA wound up, kind of getting involved in some stuff, and he, wound up, he said, I wound up selling coke to an undercover DEA agent. He said, uh, I spent two years in, in prison, just got out. He said, my life's wrecked. I, I was married, had three kids. They wound up leaving me. I don't even know where the heck they're at. Uh, he said, man, my life is just spiraling out of control right now. He said, I don't know. So anyways, as, as we're eating lunch, I'm just kind of building a relationship with him. I said, hey, man, I, I said, would you like to come to church with me on Sunday? And he was like, no. <laughs> he said, he said, I don't, he said, church ain't my thing, man. I said, okay, well, how about this? He said, I, I have a small group at my house where just a bunch of, bunch of people come and we hang out and we eat and talk and then we'll kind of, you know, we do the, a little Bible study, but we just hang out. He said, dude, he said, Bible, that, that ain't my thing. He said, I don't, I don't do Bible. I don't do church. I don't do any of that stuff. He said, this is who I am. And I said, okay, no big deal. Um, last week as I'm sitting, I'm sitting at my house and I'm kind of looking over, the scripture, um, I, listen, if somebody walked in my house at this time, I probably would have looked really spiritual. I had a couple Bibles out. I had a commentary. I was looking up some stuff online, just like kind of doing the whole like Bible preparation stuff, right? This guy winds up calling me, the, the guy who, you know, telling me he just got out of prison and all this stuff. And he said, he's like, dude, he said, he, he can't drive. I mean, he doesn't have a license. He's, you know, doing the whole parole thing. And he said, listen, Pete, he said, I'd really like to hang out with you. I said, I, man, life's just crazy. Life's a mess. I don't have any friends. I don't have anybody. I don't, I don't, I just don't have anything. Will you come and pick me up? It was like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock on a Monday night, something like that. And I was just like, here's what I told him. No kidding. My wife is sitting right next to me. And I said, I said, sorry, dude. I said, I'm busy preparing a sermon. <laughs> and that, that is no joke at all. I said, I said, dude, I, sorry, I'm, I'm preparing a sermon. And it was like the most 
convicting time in my entire life, I go, are you an idiot? I mean, really, like these points right here, like you need to adjust your schedule. And this is right after like God has shown me all this stuff. And I go, and I just get really convicted. And I, I, I said, hey, dude, hang on for a second. Let me call you back. So I wind up, like Emily, I said, I really feel like I'm supposed to go and spend time with this guy. And uh, she said, okay. So I get up and I, and I go and pick him up. And I said, I said, man, where do you want to go? He said, I want to go to a bar. I said, okay. <laughs> no kidding. So I went, I went and picked the guy up, and I said, dude, I'll take you wherever. See, here, here's, here's our expectation of lost people. What, you know, should I expect him to want to go to church? Should I expect him to want to go and do something else? Should I, want, should I want him to go do all this stuff? So anyways, we wind up going to a bar. He orders a couple beers. I order a glass of water, and we sit there, and we play probably five games of pool and I get it, and he was like, man, he said, you don't drink? I said, no, I don't drink. He said, uh, well, okay. And so I wound up, as we're sitting there playing pool, I get to tell this guy about Jesus Christ and how he's delivered me from, from a life of drugs and a life of alcohol and a life of just being screwed up. And so we get finished playing a few games, and he said, hey, man, he said, I would, why don't we go to this bar just right down the road? And I said, why? He said, man, because what you're saying to me, he said, I'd really like, he said, it's a little loud in here. I'd really like to go to go to another place where it's a little more quiet. So we wind up going to another bar to where it's to where it's just it's a little more quiet, it's a little more laid back, and man, I get to tell this dude about Jesus Christ. I'll tell you right now, he this guy didn't get saved. He he's not a follower of Jesus. But I'll tell you this, he's about this stinking close. And he called me last night while we were out at trunk or treat saying, Hey man, let's go hang out again. And I said, Okay. Listen. Some of us, there's going to be some people right now who are going to, you're going to send Mike an email and say, oh, you got the guy preaching on stage, went to a bar, and I, I did go to a bar. And listen, if the guy calls me again, I'm going to go back with him. I asked the guy to come to church. I asked the guy to come to my small group. I asked the guy to do this. I asked the guy to do that. And he said no. And when he called me and he said, let's go to a bar, I said, oh, okay. And I presented the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it, Jesus is knocking on his heart right now. I see it. He called me last night, and he's telling me all this stuff. And I'm going... If we get out of our comfort zone, if we go to where lost people are, listen, if we look at people, I was just walking, I was just walking through, and I see this dude who's looking like a thug, whose eyes busted up, and I just look at him, and the Lord just kind of speaks to me. I go, okay. I looked at him, I spoke to him, and I don't, listen, I don't say this to say, uh, you know, look at Pete, look at me, I'm this great guy, anything like that. I just say, man, this is what the Word says, and this is kind of how I applied it to my life, and it happened, and and it's, kind of, it's working. You know, it's working. And I go, man, that is the gospel. Listen, I don't, I don't know where everybody's at. I don't know if anything that I even said makes sense. But, but here's what I know is that, man, the lost people are out in the world. I mean, they're not, you know, maybe there's one or two people in here who don't know Jesus or, or whatever like that. And, and we can sit here and we can, we can keep going. We can keep, as a church, we can wave our hands and we can say, hey, lost people, come over here, come over here. But man, this is my heart, and I know this is Mike's heart. The reason that we're planting churches and not just, like, building this huge facility is because Mike understands that the lost people are out in the community and we can take the church to them rather than saying, hey, I hope you come over here. Lost people aren't waking up on Sundays going, hmm, I wonder which service I'm going to go to. You know what I'm saying? So I just... You know, I don't even, I don't, as the band plays, I just, man, think of people. Think of people in, in your community. Think of people that you work with. Think of, 
Think of people who are right now who are asleep and maybe they sat there and they drank all night through the Arkansas game or maybe, you know, whatever. You guys know the people who are in your life. And, and you can respond how you want. You can sit there. You can stand. You can pray. You can, you can do whatever you want. But I ask, man, just listen. Jesus is looking for workers to go out and do the harvest field. And I'm telling you, man, there are people out there who are so jacked up and screwed up and they, they need Jesus. So, if you would, just, just pray with me right now. Lord, I pray that, God, that you would, you would just stir up our heart. And I don't know if, it made, if any of this made sense, if, if anything like that, Lord. But in the, in the very end, we know that there's lost people. We know that there are people who are so far from you and they don't have a clue who Jesus is. Lord, I pray that you would stir up in our hearts a desire to talk to people about Jesus. And I'm not even saying on the front end, but if it's building relationships for that, if it's just however you choose to do it, Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, just awaken our hearts to the need. In your name, amen.